you will tend to be in your own comfort zone. Once I develop a design for my website, I'm like, you know what? This is great. This is what we did last year. It worked. I want to do it again because it's foolproof. No, I want to push myself to be more creative, to create new visuals, to create new systems. That way I can provide a better customer experience. Hello, my name is Lauren D'Souza and you're listening to Retain the Customer Retention Podcast. More and more companies are wanting to focus on retaining customers, but what exactly are the powers of customer retention? And how are companies using it to keep their customers coming back for more? That's what we're here to find out. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, I am honored to speak with Devin Herpara, an e-commerce and CRM specialist at L'Oreal, the largest cosmetics and beauty brand in the world. Devam collaborates with advertisers, marketers, and stakeholders to drive e-commerce success and digital understanding. Welcome to the show, Devam. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. It's good to be here. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to have you today, especially because I've been using L'Oreal products for maybe 10 to 12 years now, like ever since I was a kid. And so I've never actually met anybody who's worked on L'Oreal and like anything to do with their CRM, anything like that. So I'm really excited about our conversation today. Oh, I'm happy to lend my ear. And I feel like I was in the same boat where when I first started there, I did not know how many brands were within the portfolio. So when I started, I was like, oh my God, I use that, I use that, I use that. I was like, everything is under one umbrella. So it's definitely super exciting. And again, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk about everything about my job and hopefully some good learnings. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. And as you might know, or you're about to find out, (laughs) the podcast is all about retention. I'm super excited to learn more about how you work with retention and how your role is integrated with that. But before we dive into all that fun stuff, I want to know a little bit more about your background. So what even got you into CRM in the first place? It's a funny story because I graduated in the pandemic. And as soon as I graduated, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And the good thing was that I had already interned at L'Oreal. So once I graduated, I applied again to the positions, went through the interviews, I got accepted, but I got accepted in the management training program. So it's their new graduate programs. And after doing my rotations, they had an open position within the e-commerce and CRM realm of things. So I was like, you know what? I want to be in digital. I want to be in e-commerce and digital side of things. So sign me up. So I interviewed for that as well. And the rest is history. And the more I went through those different brands, the more I dig into my role, the software, the technicalities, the more I got curious, the more I loved learning. And the more I learn, the more I want to grow within the same field of e-commerce as it's so dynamic. Yeah. And I think what's nice about e-commerce is that it's ever-changing. Every single day, I feel like I'm seeing something new. And also working with so many brands under L'Oreal and how widespread the company itself is, I'm sure you probably see so many interesting things on a day-to-day basis in your role, which is nice. Honestly, it's hard to keep up because we have so many brands within our portfolio. I only work for one brand, so it's easier for me to grasp the straws and easier for me to digest all the information. But again, as you said, it's a constantly evolving world. So whenever we see a best practice or something really interesting, we're always, okay, how can we implement this? Or how can we adapt it for our brand? And how can we make the best use out of this uh, use case? So again, it's super interesting. It keeps me on my toes, but I wouldn't have it any other way. That's awesome. So what do you love most about your role at L'Oreal? For me, I think the one reason that I absolutely love my role is because it's so dynamic. Not a single day is the same. 
Some days are more technical, where I'll be working more on the website, making sure everything is good to go. All the user experience is up to date. There is no bugs. Everything is working as it should be. And some other days are more CRM focused, where I'll be working to gain a lot more customers or to strategize in terms of what we can do for our customer base that I already have or to acquire new customers as well. And the other days, it's just aligning with all of our different stakeholders because we work with a lot of outsourced companies, brands. So we just want to make sure that we're all aligned. We're all working towards the same goal and everybody has the right dates, right ideas, and everything is aligned. So not a single day is the same. Some days are full of emergencies where I will have so many emails coming my way. My inbox is full. Something that's not supposed to go wrong goes wrong. I do not know what to do. But again, it's all fun in that position, because if it was reporting the same monotony, I wouldn't have been able to do it. And I think that's the cool thing of having both the e-commerce side and the CRM, because I mean, both of those things have tons of different things that you can be doing under there. So handling a bit of both, I'm sure you have learnings from either or that you pass throughout each of those roles as well. 100%. I feel that because I'm able to see the both the back ends, I'm able to see the back end of the website as well as the back end of the CRM, I know what the best practices are, what the possibilities are within the e-com and the CRM and how can we combine both of those capabilities. Because sometimes if somebody is too technical, then they won't understand the human aspect of the CRM. And if somebody is too focused on CRM, they wouldn't know what is technically capable for the website. So just making sure that everything is well aligned for CRM as well as the website gives me a really good 360 of everything e-commerce related. That's awesome. You are the e-commerce guy. <laughs> it's, it's fun, but sometimes I'm like, I just want to have this, but I cannot have this because it's not a capability that we have. So it's always a struggle, but new ways of learning, right? And so actually speaking of that, what would you say are some of the more challenging aspects of that role? Because I'm sure that obviously the plus side is that you have the day-to-day that's different and you're seeing the new trends pop up between CRM and e-commerce and how technology is leveraging that. But I'm sure that there's some challenges along the way in that role other than the trying to get a little bit more of either side. Is there any other challenges that you find with the role? As uh, I was saying, because we also work with a lot of stakeholders, we have a lot of different teams that I work with. Sometimes there are always some technical aspect that goes wrong. That is beyond our control. Sometimes there's a code that clashes and the bug is created. Not Something happens that it's not supposed to go wrong, goes wrong. So I log in, I'll see, and then I'll have to address the issue right away because if we have a big promotion going on our website or something like that that means we have communicated with our audience that hey listen we have this big promotion going on right now take advantage of it and people are looking forward to it right like if i receive an email saying like, hey 30 percent off our website our catalog go on and buy it and then they go on our website and then something's broken it's not working then it's a big situation to handle so i feel that being really time constrained because I need to address it right away, making sure that all of our teams are aligned. How can we fix this issue right away? Those are the challenges that I sometimes face because none of the issues that I have seen, I could have prepped for because I'm always like, you know what? I can foresee this happening, but it's not within my control. So maybe sometimes if it happens, I can address it if it happens. But guess what? It's never that issue that pops up. It's always something completely bizarre. It's something that I have not even thought of. I'm like, I never thought this would go wrong, but it has gone wrong. But honestly, in the moment, it feels like, oh my God, what's going on? And 
how can I solve this? But after a day has passed, after the, all the madness has calmed down, I always take a step back and evaluate the situation. I'm like, okay, you know what? Thank God it happened because now I know exactly how to tackle the situation. Some other circumstances, I could not even comprehend. I'm like, you know what? Thank God it's over with. I don't have to think about it anymore. It's gone. It's in the past. I'm, I'm all good. And I honestly think that kind of thinking, because I mean, I guess when you balance strategy and technology as well, there's always these things are going to pop up and it's always the bug that you didn't want or didn't expect or just something completely different because that's just how tech loves to work. But I think it's a, a lot of great learning with customer retention as well, because I think customers honestly behave in the same way, because the thing is, I'm not saying customers are bad or they're doing anything bad like that, but there's so many behaviors that we don't expect. There's so many things that I'm sure you see that on your CRM side of analyzing customer behaviors and things like that of you have to figure out what do you do in a situation? Like there's the customer behavior is happening. What do we do? How do we turn our business to help solve this so that we stay in the market relevant and ahead of the trends? And something I'm curious about in general is under the CRM umbrella, there's so many different things that pop under that. But one thing that's really interesting to me in that topic is customer segmentation, because uh, at least with us at Gameball, when you have a retention strategy and you have our loyalty program, it's all about the customer behaviors because otherwise you don't really have an engaging program. So I preach a day in, day out to all my customers that it's all about customer behavior first. So I'm curious to know your thoughts. What do you think makes an effective CRM customer segmentation? Like what is involved in that? Or how do you make sure that you've got good customer segmentation with your CRM? Uh, that's a really nice question. Just because whenever people look at CRM, whether it's a small business, a medium business, or a large business, you have to interact with customers. And customers is king. And no matter what happens, you have to make them happy. Or if something goes wrong, just be accepting of it. You know what? Hey, listen, this happened. It was out of our control. Here's a sorry email. Like You can send out an apology email. There's a lot of different ways of dealing with those situations when it comes to customers. And I feel that customer segmentation is also a really important part of it as well. because. How I see a business is that the brand that I work for, we have skincare, we have makeup, we have makeup brushes and everything as well. So it's hard because if I'm a customer and if I am shopping on, let's say, for example, uh, Gymshark, I shopped my whole thing. I added to cart. I got my products and everything. And now I'm already enrolled in Gymshark's email. So now if I start receiving all the emails of women clothing, then I'll be like, wait, what's happening here? It's not related to me at all. Now it, it's kind of off-putting as well because now I'm like, wait, I don't mind get being targeted by emails, but I want to make sure that the right products are being targeted to me. So I feel that customer segmentation is really important because before I used to send a lot of emails, as every single company does, to all of our audience, whether they were interacting with our emails or not, whether they were skincare buyers, whether they were makeup buyers, even if they were our dormant contacts, that means that they never came to our website to buy, I would just send them a lot of emails. And then I realized I was going through all the numbers on the back end. And then I was like, wait, this does not make sense because we have so much audience, but we're always sending the same email to a lot of our audiences, which sometimes they don't want to receive. So that's when me with a lot of other colleagues, we came up with the best practices and everything. And I got better learnings from them as well. And what I was suggested was to create segments for customers who like to shop makeup and customers who like to shop skincare. And what 
interesting thing was that once I segmented those audiences and I started sending emails pertaining to skincare to skincare audience and emails concerning makeup to makeup audience, the emails were really well interacted with. Like our click-through rates, our click-through open rates and everything were really, really high compared to our previous emails because now people were actually receiving stuff they want to see. Uh, the products, products that they have already bought. So I feel that customer segmentation holds so much power that if you actually take some time to actually dive into your audiences and see what people are buying through your website or whatever product you might have and see their behavior and analyze it, you have a lot more to leverage over there and there's a lot more value for the customer as well within the segmentation world. And I think the thing is too, even just being a consumer myself, someone of L'Oreal, all these different makeup brands, all these different things, you get marketed to day in, day out. And I saw a crazy stat, something like you see like 150 ads a day or something like that. I don't know, it's crazy. Just everything you're seeing around. But everyone doesn't like being sold to unless it's very relevant. Because my favorite brands, if they reach me at the right time with the right content and the right products, I am so happy because it makes my life easier to go and rebuy or purchase something new or try something different, whatever it may be. But when it's the wrong kind of targeting, I'm like, oh my God, I just, I'm done with this brand. This is so annoying. (laughs) Yeah. That's a really good point that you bring up because the right place, the right time, the right mindset, because that's what I have seen because I get so many emails. I think I read like a crazy statistic somewhere every day. There's like 200 billion emails that are sent worldwide from all the companies. If I'm a consumer and if I'm receiving, let's say if I'm subscribed to 10 different companies and if I'm receiving 10 different emails, even if it's a company that I really enjoy, really like, I have bought from them so many multiple times, if they hit me at the wrong place, the wrong time, wrong mindset, I'm unsubscribing right away. I'm like, I do not care what company you are. So I feel that that also ties back into the whole aspect of what we like to call email fatigue, right? Because as a company, we want to make sure that our customers are regularly updated with our current promotions, our current availability, our new launches, our products, our services, everything. So if I'm sending one newsletter each day, focusing on one different thing, that's still five emails a week from one company. I don't want to receive that many emails, right? So that's where the segmentation comes in, where you can segment your audience based on if they are lapsed audience, that means they're not converting at all, no matter how attractive the offer is, you can save them for really attractive promotions. And then you have customers who are really loyal. No matter what happens, they you already know that they're going to buy from you. You can segment that audience and be like, hey, listen, we have this offer right now and you can target them as much as you want. They're always going to be happy. And then there's going to be other audiences which are like, just there as a lurker. You can send them emails. They're not going to unsubscribe, but they're also not going to buy from you as frequently as possible. So if you segment the right audiences and if you target the right audience, that way you also preserve the audience from being fatigued to your emails. But at the same time, you also save your database. That way you're not getting a lot of unsubscribes from your current audiences. I'm curious too, because when we are talking about the retention strategy that companies have and whatnot, I always put myself in the shoes of the consumer because so many of these brands, I'm a consumer of them. Just like actually you mentioned the example of the lurker, like that's me 90% of the time. I don't even like shopping, but if I see something interesting, then it'll pique my interest. And then 90% of the remainder of the time, I'm just thinking to myself, I don't really care. And so I'm curious because majority of my shopping is for other people. So getting gifts for people or I don't know, thinking of others. If you 
think about me as a consumer where I'm spending some time on shopping for myself, some time on shopping for other people. And it's kind of like the right place, right time, right product. How does a business of any size, really, I guess, how do they know how to segment these customers or like what kind of questions should they be asking themselves? Because a lot of the audience that we have on this podcast are business owners or part of a brand or trying to figure out the same question. And I think it's a question that's consistently being asked and consistently being thought about. I feel like it's a hard topic. I don't think it's so easy. I think it's actually hard to figure this stuff out. It is definitely hard. And believe it or not, we're still figuring it out because even I don't have all the answers and I work in this job day in and day out because what happens is that customer world is ever-changing. And today I might love this product. Tomorrow I'm like, you know what? You caught me at the wrong time. I'm gone. So it's really hard to predict a customer's preferences, a customer's nature. But I would say that the answer to your question is asking the customer themselves. And what I mean by that is doing a lot of A-B tests. It's a common concept all over the world. For my brand, everything that we have is targeted towards a bit of an older demographic. And also our brand color and everything is really pastel, pinkish. So we tried a year ago or like even two years ago, I think, something that was blue. So we were just doing A-B testing and we sent the same newsletter with blue background. We sent the same newsletter with a pink background. Then we compared the numbers behind it. And then we saw that, okay, blue did not perform well at all right? It tanked completely. Maybe there was like a disassociation with the brand or something like that. People associate with brand the way you portray it to them, right? So let's say, for example, today I'm a customer of a brand ABC and I know that brand for selling, I don't know, really high quality clothing. I know that they're expensive. I know that they have a high quality clothing. They're amazing. I have bought from them so many multiple times. And now if tomorrow I were to receive an email saying that, hey, listen, this is our fast fashion, you know, like really cheap clothing or whatever, uh, or if they change the design completely. And if I don't like it, I'm like, wait, wait, is this the same brand? Like what happened? There's a complete dissociation. I'm like, what happened here? Like it used to be really well put together, really minimalistic. And now it's completely popping colors and everything. So I feel if you do A-B testing enough with the content, with the colors, with the subject lines, the headers, the SEO copies, you'll see customers reacting to your website, to your newsletters, to anything that is. And apart from that, as you said, if you buy a lot of stuff as, as a gift, there's no way to know for a business that, that you're buying it for somebody else. So that's the hard part, right? And it, it, there's no way of knowing it because today, if I want to buy something for some of my friends, I'll go buy at cost. I'll go buy at H&M. I'll go buy at Zara. But I might have bought so many different things I'll be targeted with those emails because they know that, oh, you know what? They bought like a tank top from us. They bought like shorts from us. And from this store, he bought a skirt. And then I'll start targeted by all the skirts. But I'm like, it was a gift. So it's one of the things where you can ask the customers. There was one newsletter that does it really well. Oh, I know Morning Breeze. Uh, yes. I love that emails because what they do is whenever they send you an email, after a while, if you have not interacted with their email, Within their email, they will put a link saying that, hey, do you still want to be targeted through our emails? And you have to click a link. Okay, you know what? You can keep targeting me. I do like receiving these emails. And that way, you can either keep targeting the customer or you can completely remove the customer from your database and only target them during some worldwide events. 
That way you don't fatigue the customer because if they're already tired, they're not opening your emails, chances are with the 15th email that you sent, they're not gonna open that email either. So asking that putting the power back into the hands of customers is a really good tactic. If you build up that personal connection with your customers, it's meant to last for a really long time. And you know, I really like that morning brew example because when I was in university, is around the time that they launched. They were really heavy on referrals and really trying to get people to build the network effect. And so I don't know if you had the same thing because I went to Wilfrid Laurier University. And so at the time, I think they were maybe targeting the school or wanting to get more people in university reading The Morning Brew because the whole value prop is to read the news in a bite-sized way. So it's not like reading a newspaper, but you get all the facts of what's going on in the world and in the markets and all that kind of stuff. So really well catered to university students who are trying to have a pulse on the market, but not read and read and read and read because that's what we do in lecture every day. And so what was interesting about their marketing strategy at that time, and they were a small business at the time, so very doable. But what they did was two things. Number one, they had a section where you could refer people. And if you referred one friend, you get a sticker. If you referred three friends, you get a mug or something like that. Five friends, something more. And then the end all be all was the crew neck that you could get with the Morning Brew logo on it. But as someone who doesn't really follow through with these referrals that much, unless I'm really incentivized to do so, I was actually incentivized to because as I read through the Morning Brew emails, they also had this section that was like, this isn't entirely catered towards you. If you tell us what you want, you'll see the reflection in the product. And so I was like, interesting, maybe I'll just try it. And so I submitted a request since I'm interested in startups and entrepreneurship. I wanted one little section about startups and entrepreneurship. And I noticed a couple of weeks later that they started implementing that. Felt like they really took my piece of advice and implemented it right away. So then I went and did the referrals. And they might have A-B tested this. They might have done it just because they were smaller. But I'm sure they took those initial marketing strategies and took it to scale. Because also, too, everything you've just mentioned is so important for retention as well. Because the thing is... You have your customer segmentation, you have your marketing strategies, but what's the goal of all of that at the end of the day is the customer retention. And so I think that's so important to also have those creative, unique things, which I think you can actually be more creative as a smaller business because you're faster moving. You can try it out on customers that you have that one-to-one relationship with. You actually have that flexibility to do so. I think there was one company that I was subscribed to because I used their services once. And it's one of those companies who provide those no copyright music. I only used them once, and I think two years later, I was still receiving their emails, but I never unsubscribed from them. I never opened their emails either. But one day, what caught my attention was somebody from the company sent me an email. And of course, it was a group email sent to like probably hundreds of other people. But I don't know what they had done or how did they come up with this idea. But the email that was sent to me was not an automated email. One person actually took out time and he's like, hey, listen. And the whole content of the email was, We know that you haven't been around, but here's one playlist that we think that you would genuinely like, which is personalized to your liking. And after two years, right, I would not have thought that they would still be targeting me, but I received that email. And then because I'm on the technical side of things, I'm always curious to see like, oh, where is the email coming from? So just click on the description and I saw it's coming from a personal email. And I was like, oh, wow, like they actually took out time. That's really awesome, actually. Yeah. So I replied, I was like, hey, listen. I don't know if it's an automated email or if it's like an actual personal email, but if it's an actual human behind this email, thank you so much for reaching out and putting this personal touch to it. It means a lot. And I just sent that email and they were like, hey, it's an actual person. Thank you for, you know, replying to this. It means a lot. They're a big company. They don't need my approval. But just doing that, I feel handed that power back to me, to the consumer. And 
giving them time to actually personalize stuff for the customer shows that company actually cares and it goes a long way in the consumer's eye. You see, like I haven't used their services in so long, but I can still remember that interaction with that person and it leaves that imprint. No, I really like that because I think in this day and age too, there's so much noise around all these brands. It's so hard to get in the eyes of the consumer and get in front of them, stay memorable. And people either have a lot of things to say when they have a negative experience or a lot of things to say when they have a positive experience. And there's almost no in-between, I find, just by my own personal experience, because even with my friends and I, there's so many times that we're talking about all these different things that we're interested in. And it's either polar opposite, really, really good experience. So this is why I want to tell you about it or really, really bad experience because I really don't want you to go through this. And there's never a time that I tell my friends about a neutral experience because there's nothing fun to tell about it. And so that example alone is honestly, I, I think it's not even that big of a step for a company to take, but it goes a long way, which is literally what you said word for word. And so I think being inventive in your retention strategies and using customer segmentation and the A-B test and listening to the customer and asking the customer, these are all the things that you can put into the beautiful map of how to get to your customer and build a retention strategy as a result, because it's all about understanding the fact that working with customers is not static. It's something that's ever moving, ever changing. And so being adaptive to that through listening, talking, segmenting, all this kind of stuff is so important. So I think that example brings that together beautifully. Now we're on to my favorite part of the show, which is the lightning round. So first question, which company's brand do you admire most and why? And you can use L'Oreal if you want. <laughs> I'm not going to be biased. I'm not going to name my own brand, but I will say that the brands that I genuinely really like I would say SkinCeuticals because I really like skincare and going into that. Other one is YouTube because I spend a lot of time and the UX is really simple to use and really adaptive as well. And the other one, I would say the last but not the least. I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it's Zara just because they were not a good website, I think, a few years ago because I remember visiting Zara and I was like, what are all these pictures it's covering half the screen like there's no information but now there's actually like a lot more information that you can palette like right away you can see the price the sizing charts and everything and i'm like okay you know what it's, it's a good improvement so it's not like my favorite website but it's a good website that has improved quite a lot what i like most about that answer is the fact that you gave them marks for improving and seeing progress yeah, yeah exactly because it's ever-changing customers are ever-changing so gotta adapt to it yeah. A very positive spin on things, which I very much appreciate. All right. Second question. What three attributes does everyone in marketing need to have, in your opinion? Marketing now is like a digital world as well. So I would say being agile. So you never know where new problems are going to pop up. So if you can adapt to those situations, that's a really good trait to have. The second one is prioritization slash time management and take it however like whichever one resonates more uh because at any given day i'm handling so many different things juggling so many different roles as well within my own position that sometimes i'll have to wear problem solving hats sometimes i'll have to just reply to email some days it will be more technical so being able to prioritize all the situations comes in clutch so it's really good to have that trait and the last but not the least is being creative because you will tend to be in your own comfort zone. Once I develop a design for my website, I'm like, you know what? This is great. This is what we did last year. It worked. I want to do it again because it's foolproof. 
No, I want to push myself to be more creative, to create new visuals, to create new systems. That way I can provide a better customer experience. And it's also a new thing for customers to experience. So those three things. I love it. Yeah, that ready to go. Actually, that leads perfectly into my last lightning round question, which is, do you think marketing is more of an art or a science? Which I think I know your answer, but I'm going to let you answer. It's definitely 100% like a best of both worlds. Damn, that was not... Right? <laughs> I, was, yeah. I thought you were going to say it's an art. <laughs> I, I, because the thing is, I would have said art. If you were to ask the same question five years ago, six years ago, I would have said it's art, 100%. But now that we leverage so much technology in day-to-day marketing, I feel that one cannot exist without the other. I can be as much creative as I want to be, but if I don't know what's working with my audience, I'll never be able to you know, repeat that. But if I'm all technicalities and if I don't have any creativity, then I wouldn't be able to convert those customers because now they're only seeing the technical side of things what works. So I would say it's the best of both worlds now. But if you were to ask me a lot time ago, I would have said art, definitely. Just like Zara, you're making a lot of progress. <laughs> exactly. There we go. Okay. And last but not least, the question that I always end my episodes on is around advice. So is there a piece of marketing or life advice that someone shared with you once that has always stayed with you? I would say more of a life advice. And it's from a book that I was reading recently. It's called Feel Like an Artist from Austin Kleon. It's a pretty small book. I can read it in like one go. But the quote that he said was, be as generous as you can be, but selfish enough to get your work done. So the way that I work is I love helping a lot of people because there are other people within my role as well who, do, who work on different brands. But if I know something, I will always be down to help them out. But at the same time, sometimes I need to just put my foot down and be like, you know what? I need to get my work done because otherwise I'll have to stay until 8 p.m. And I don't want to do that because I just was, you know, helping somebody else when I could have been doing my stuff. So I always help my colleagues out no matter what, because I love doing that. I feel that if I can share my knowledge and my know-how with other people, it brings everybody up. So I feel that that quote is the most resonating with me for now. And sometimes I'll find something else. I love that. No, that's wonderful. And I think I've definitely tried to balance that myself. I'm actually honestly in the exact same boat. I love helping people. I like working with people. I love the constant interaction, but now the view that I have on it after realizing that you need to also give time to yourself to work on what's important because you need that focus is when I think about it as jumping to help others, I need to also jump to help myself. So <laughs> it's also also being slightly selfish in it. But if you can find a good balance, then you've got it good. It has to be the right balance. Otherwise, one does not work, right? Yes. So no, that's awesome. And a, and a nice reminder as we end the episode. So we'll end it there. And uh, thank you so much for joining me on the episode. It was lovely to chat with you, Deva. Thank you so much for having me. It was great uh, talking to you as well. Retain the Customer Retention Podcast is brought to you by Gameball. To find out how you can turn visitors and occasional buyers into loyal, lifetime customers, head to gameball.co. Make sure to subscribe to Retain the Customer Retention Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you never miss an episode. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next time.